well done. Was that uh, flute playing beautiful on that one? That, uh, that outro with that flute on there, that was really, really something. And it's going to be missed, that's for sure. Hey, we're going to be in uh, 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. And, um, and as Brother Mitch said, we did have a, a memorial service for Sam Wildridge yesterday. And uh, I, I felt like the, I was ministered to through it and believe that it was a great ministry to all who, was, to all who were here. Um, uh, and so I'm thankful to God for that, um, for sure. Um, man. Y'all should be up here and look at y'all staring right back at me. It is quite the sight. Uh, I love you, friends of Baptist Church. I'm thankful that I get to be here with y'all this morning. Let's do this. Let me uh, go lead us in one more word of prayer because I need uh, some prayer this morning. Uh, Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, you're good. Uh, Lord, I just come to you right now and I just pray and I ask that you would uh, tune our hearts to to your voice, Lord, uh, to your nature, to your character, to your way. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you, uh, that this worship that we've, we've offered this morning has been beautiful, has been beautiful to you, God. Uh, we thank you for how you minister even to us while we are worshiping you. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that as I uh, proclaim the message today that you would uh, lead me, that you would fill me with your spirit, that everything that I say uh, is necessary to the point of the message, and uh, that, Lord, um, your spirit not only speaks through me, your spirit speaks to us, Lord, uh, encouraging us, equipping us, correcting us, comforting us, consoling us whatever it is that we might need this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that uh, uh, as, you, as you speak, even as my brother Sam prayed a few weeks ago, that we would be anxious to apply that which you teach us today. We pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been pressing on in... Um, First uh, Peter, uh, this uh, this uh, uh, sermon series that we're calling "Chosen Exiles," and, uh, and and what we found up until this point is, you know, uh, Peter has established their identity as chosen exiles, right? You, these were people who were socially um, and spiritually exiles, um, and so uh, Peter has established their identity, and, and and instead of coming in and going, man, I. I hate the situation that you find yourselves in. Peter starts out with this word of encouragement, and he and he says, you know, hey, bless, bless be God, because because he's given you new life. You have a new birth through your faith in Jesus, and so he, he writes to encourage them and to to lift them up, and and then he begins to give them some instructions. He's like, hey, listen, for those of you who have this new life, who have this 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 inheritance that's reserved in heaven, that's kept by the power of God, and uh, you who are kept by the power of God, he says, and, and and you're you're waiting for this salvation. Here's here's some instructions for your life. You need to be filled with hope. You need to fully hope 
in, uh, in, in, in what we have to hope in. And what we have to hope in is not that, uh, you know, the next election cycle, everything gets righted. What we have to hope in is that Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, he's bringing resurrection with him. And he's establishing uh, and restoring, uh, establishing the kingdom and restoring all things. What we have to hope in is that even before Christ returns, you and I, you and I are living witnesses of, of, of this man who lived 2,000 years ago, who, um, who lived almost in relative obscurity, except for a little bit of a time in his life, who, who, who hung on a cross, who, who rose to life the third day, who ascended to the right hand of the Father, who we get to be living witnesses that, that, that this one that you and I have never seen, we believe is ruling and reigning from the right hand of the Father even today. He doesn't need, he doesn't need an earthly throne. He doesn't need, uh, you know, uh, any of our governing structures to be ruling and reigning. What he needs is, is us, willing, receptive people who allow his spirit to be alive in us. So he says, I want you to fully hope in this. And then he says, uh, I, I want you to live lives that are set apart. I know you are socially and spiritually exiles in this new place. And, and sometimes whenever you are in a new place, you want to kind of put your head down and, and, and you, don't want to, you don't want to be noticed. You want to just kind of fit in and, 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 and go with the groove. But I need y'all to be different. I need you to set yourselves apart. You need to live lives that, 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 that stand out from the rest. And specifically, he says, you need to live lives that uh, have pure love, that are characterized by pure love. And then, as we saw last week, uh, with this pure love, what, what does that mean? That means that you can't have malice, guile, deceit, envy in your life. Like these things have to be cleaned out of your life. You can't, you can't be walking around hating life and hating people. And be like, I'm filled with the Spirit of Jesus. That does not make sense. These two things don't go together. You can't be saying you love people when you're only loving certain people. And you're excluding others. you got to get rid of this. You can't be walking around going, man, everybody else has it so good and I don't have it good at all. With your head kicking yourself all the time. You can't be walking around envious of other people's power, influence in this world. These are things that he says, and, and, and we get to it, and we're like, okay, we got to be filled with pure love. we got to get rid of malice. we got to get rid of guile. we got to get rid of deceit and envy in our lives. Now, here's the question. How do we actually go about doing that? And that's what we're going to find today as we pick up again in 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'll read the text for you, and then we'll do some teaching and a little bit of preaching this morning. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, do this. You, you, you put off these things, and instead of seeking those things, instead of holding on to those things, as newborn babes. Think about an infant baby. He's not calling them baby Christians. He's saying, be like newborn babies. See, other places in uh, scripture, whenever it talks about the milk of the word, it will be used in a negative connotation. Paul says, hey, I, I wish I could be giving you meat right now, but I have to give you milk because you haven't uh, matured enough to the point. That's not the point that Peter's making here. Peter is saying, I want you to think about a newborn baby who is craving his mother's milk. 
uh, they do this a little incessantly, don't they? Right? <laughs> they, they're not quiet about it, are they? Right? He says, he says, as newborn babes, I want you to desire the sincere, we could call that pure or unadulterated or uncontaminated milk of the word. I want to talk about what the word is here in a minute. And he says, that you may grow thereby. And then verse 3, he says, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So Peter says, how can you put off malice, guile, envy, hypocrisies, evil speakings? How can you put off these things? Well, you need to start craving something else. You need, to, you need to get a hunger, a thirst, a desire for something else. And he calls it, and it's translated here, the milk of the word. And if you remember back in, at the end of chapter number one, Peter talks about the word. He says, hey, listen, you've been born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed. You've been born again by the word of God. And then he harkens back to Isaiah chapter number 40, where Isaiah 40 says, hey, listen, all of us, you and me, we're just like grass. We, 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 we wither and we fade and we're blown away with the wind. But the word of the Lord endures forever. He says, this is the word by which you have been given new life. And he says, and it's this word, what I'm talking about is the gospel that was preached to you. Now, here's an interesting thing. All through chapter one, whenever he's talking about word, the Greek behind what we have in English translated as word, the Greek term is rhema. It can mean that, that thing that is, it's an utterance, it's a sound, it's speech, it's something that's spoken to you. you, were, you somebody proclaimed this to you. And he's qualifying it by what kind of speech it was. It's the word of the Lord, right? The, the, the word, the, the, the speech of the good news, of the euangelion. The good news about Jesus Christ. And so you and I, when we're reading our English translation Bibles, we get over here and we see word again. And it would be easy for us to say he's saying exactly what he's been saying. But Peter does something different here. Instead of using the word rhema, he uses a different word. He uses this word logikos. Logikos is only used like another time in scripture. It's very rarely used in scripture and it's very rarely used in, 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 in ancient Christian literature. The other time that we, uh, that, we, that we find it is in Romans 12 verse 1. And y'all might remember this. This is a, a monumental verse. And Paul, after he declares the grace of God, he says, listen, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, reasonable, logikos service. See, logikos has this, 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 this meaning like rational or reasonable. And, and, and so now people have gone, okay, so he uses a totally different word than what he was using. So he's trying to give us something else here. What could he be giving us? And it's easy for us just to go, oh, well, the word of God, I have the word of God right here. Well, that, this is included in what he's saying, but, but I would not narrow it down to just this. I think we have to get our minds and our hearts wrapped around this idea that he's saying, you need to crave that which will 
nourish you in the nature of Christ. That which makes sense to the nature, that which is reasonable to the way of Christ. See, this word, it has a bigger connotation than just, you know, just, just our Bibles. I, I, I will say this, it, it includes our Bibles, and our Bibles are a primary way for us to understand this word. But, but when he says, I want you to crave the milk of the word, he uses this rare form of a word that's rarely used. And he doesn't use the same word that he just was talking about, the word by which you, which was preached to you. And he's trying to get their minds and our, and our minds and our hearts wrapped around to this idea. He's saying, hey, listen, malice, guile, envy, hypocrisy, those things are not part of this new nature. See, you've been born again, you've been given new life. And like a baby who's been given new life, you need to crave those things that are part of the new nature. The new nature that you've been given, the new life that you've been given, the new character that you've been given. And the reason why I want us to understand that he is, he is talking uh, uh, about that which deals with the, the nature, the character of this new life is because if we are not careful, if we are not careful, if, if we just say, oh, it's, it's just the Bible, I want you to know people can use this Bible very poorly. In fact, right now in America, and this is, this is kind of one of those things, it's, it's part of the heart of why I wanted to do this, this series, Chosen Exiles, I was led to do this. Right now in America, do you all know that the fastest growing segment in Christianity is called the New Apostolic Reformation? The New Apostolic Reformation. Let me just tell you what they uh, are, are wanting to do. This movement is seeking political power as a means to achieving a more transcendent goal. They want to bring under biblical authority every sphere of life, including government, schools, and culture itself. Establishing not just a Christian nation as the traditional religious right has advocated, but an actual earthly kingdom of God. Now, if you are not careful, that sounds really good. Huh, why would we have any problem with that? Because it's not in the nature of Christ. See, when Christ stood before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate told Christ, he said to Jesus, he said, you better answer to the accusations that they've been made. Do you not know what kind of authority I have over your life right now? Jesus responded. He said, listen, if I wanted to take your authority and Rome's authority, if I wanted to establish an earthly kingdom, I could do that. I could call 10,000 angels right now. But Pilate, what you don't understand is that my kingdom is not of this world. See, we have to be very careful because, see, sometimes we can go, well, they're using the word of God, and, and we could be swept up in movements that sound really, really good. That sound, they're biblical after all. But they are not in the nature of Christ. Peter will tell us a little bit about the nature of Christ at the end of chapter number two. 
See, he says, remember, you need to put aside malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings. You need to crave that which is going to nourish you in your new nature, in your new life. This life that you've been born into. You need to be nourished with this new nature that has a hope, not in a kingdom of this world, but in a kingdom that is not of this world. In an inheritance, not that you can get whenever you, uh, you successfully work a 40-year career and you have a big old fat 401k. Not that kind of inheritance. I'm talking about an inheritance that's incorruptible and that fades not away. You need to be nourished with, 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 with the things that are going to feed and grow and strengthen this new nature. This new life that you've been given. It's not filled with guile. It's not filled with envy or hate or evil speaking. In fact, it looks like Jesus. He says, here's what Jesus looked like. And this is down in verse number 22 of chapter 2. I don't have it on the screen, so you listen or you follow along in your own Bibles. He said, uh, Christ suffered and he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. He did no sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything that the accusations against him uh, amounted to anything. He was wrongly indicted. He did no sin, neither was there any guile found in his mouth. He wasn't walking around with hate and malice and envy or deceit going on. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he, was, uh, when he suffered, he did not threaten but he committed himself unto the judge that judges righteously. So, I want us to understand that Peter is telling us we need to crave the things that are going to nourish this new nature. What are those things? Well, it includes this. In fact, Peter makes a reference to an Old Testament text. So Peter himself is saying, hey, I want you to crave the things that will nourish your body. In fact, if so be that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you will do this. Well, he gets this, he gets this line from Psalm chapter number 34. Psalm 34, and again, I'm sorry, I don't have this on the screen. I should have, um, but, uh, but, 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 but Psalm 34 is, uh, is the psalm that David uh, that David uh, uh, prays, and it says it's at this time that he he was he was running as a fugitive, and 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 and, and he he was doing some things desperate. He was desperate to save his life, and and um, and he actually went over to uh, uh, the the, uh, the Philistines, and he and he um, and and they thought, man, maybe he's 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 a traitor, and, and he was going to you know be put in prison. And so then David just like out of desperation, he just kind of acted like a wild man, he started slobbering on himself. He started like speaking crazy and they're like, oh, he, he, he must have just lost his mind. So they let him go. It's a crazy like whole little tale. But, but David goes, man, God used that moment to rescue me from, from this moment of prison. 
And he's celebrating God. He says, like, in the moment that I needed him, I cried out to him, and he rescued me. And he's celebrating God at this moment. And then he says, uh, verse number 11, he says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? Like, which one of you wants a good, long, healthy life? Which one of you wants to, like, have a miserable existence? Right? No. Right? Whoever wants to come hear me, if you want to have a life that is filled with, with uh, the good stuff. And this is an interesting thing because David, whenever he was experiencing he was a fugitive. And being a fugitive on the run from Saul, he is saying, let me tell you where you can find some joy and peace and contentment. Let me tell you where you can find some, some hope, some health, some, 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 uh, some, some solitude, some comfort, some consolation. Here's what you need to do. You need to keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Doesn't that sound just like what Peter said over there? Wherefore, putting away all malice and, and guile and hypocrisies and, and envies and evil speakings. David says, hey, if you want to do this, you need to put these things away from you. He says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near unto those who are of a broken heart. He saves those such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few. We're not working to get rid of our afflictions. We understand this life is filled with them. And if you live the righteous life, the, the right way of life, if you live in the nature of Christ, you'll suffer what Christ suffered. He was reviled. And he suffered. But if you live in the nature of Christ, you will also not revile when you are reviled. You will not threaten others when you are suffering. Why? Because you will entrust yourself to the righteous judge. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, save and save as such as be of contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Who delivers us? The Lord, you, you know what this is saying. No military might or force will deliver us from all our afflictions. See, I, I can tell you, wars have been, biblical references have been used to support wars to say that it's going to save us from all of our afflictions. And I'm not going to go back to every war and say all the things that need to be said about every war. I'm just telling you as disciples of Jesus who are led by a new nature, who need to be nourished by a new nature, we shouldn't put our hope in such things. We shouldn't go, this is going to be the war to end all wars here. This is how we're going to really establish 
ourselves here. We have to be desirous of those things. We have to crave those things that are going to nourish our new nature. Here's what Peter or, or what uh, David said just before he said, come unto me, you little children, hearken unto me if you want to live a good life. He says in verse number eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want, there's no lack to them that fear him. Listen, the young lions do lack and they suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want anything. They who are craving the milk that nourishes, that satisfies us and grows us into our nature as disciples of Jesus, you will never lack for anything. If you are hungry for this, if you are hungry to grow up in the nature of Christ and the character of Christ, guess what? You will be satisfied. The milk will be there. It will flow for you. And so my brothers and my sisters, what I'm inviting us to is getting this desire, this craving, this hunger built up inside of us that says, I want to be nourished in the nature of Christ and the character of Christ. And that's a desire that we have to commit ourselves to. And, and we can do that. And then we can begin. You can start by reading the Gospels and reading about the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hey, how did Christ handle himself whenever he was sitting down with people that, 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 that were undesirous to those around them? Or people who were actually like oppressive and exploitative in their society, like the tax collectors. How did he handle himself whenever he was sitting down with them and eating a meal with them, celebrating that they, that they were just gathering around him and, 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 and listening to his teaching and, and, and interested in his kingdom that he had to offer? How did he handle himself when people came up and they said, you shouldn't be doing that? Did Jesus get up and go, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I shouldn't be doing that. Did Jesus do that? Or did Jesus stand his ground and say, these are the people that I need to be ministering to? I'm not going to shy away from it. How did Christ, uh, I, I, what does Christ reveal to us? What does he reveal to us whenever his disciples go, those guys aren't with us. We should call them fire and, and brimstone. Shouldn't we, Jesus? And he says, golly, you thundering sons of Zebedee, why don't you just stop? If they're not, if, if they're doing it and they're not following, like they're not close to my pack, but they're doing the same things that we're doing, let's applaud them. Let's say, keep going. Carry on. How did Christ handle himself whenever Peter said, you know what? We can save you from going to the cross. And he pulls out his sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. Put away your sword, man. <laughs> this is not what we're about, dude. So it includes... The word, and here's what I would say, is, is if we're going to crave that which 
And it probably should, I'll say it not includes the, the written word. It should begin there. It sh- you should really begin desiring to know what Jesus has to say about things. Not what somebody tells you necessarily what Jesus said out of context, but what Jesus had to say about things. You start seeing how he lived his life. But, but there's also this thing that I, I, I think we should consider is that if we start a desire for that which nourishes us, our new nature in Christ, that which nourishes us in the character of Christ, then, then what we should really do, and, and I kind of mentioned this last week, but I want to come back to this point, is we should, we should lose a taste for those things that are filled with malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and evil speaking. See, we, we don't just get a new taste for something and we drink both of them. We need to put off drinking this milk and we need to start drinking that milk and solely that milk we need to be craving that milk which will nourish us uh, to be honest and to be trustworthy uh, and, and to be consistent consistent oh man that's something i've been thinking about lately you know it was a so many things that I see in our world are just so inconsistent. So inconsistent. Um, there's a story out there in a song, and it's a beautiful song. Um, but the story is about two men who fall in love. And of course, that has gotten a lot of people riled up. And this once beloved singer is now being, you know, we don't cancel, we boycott, that kind of thing is happening, right? Again, an inconsistency. We hate cancel culture, but we're not gonna, we're gonna cancel them, right? It's just an inconsistency. But, but the fact of the matter is, is this is what so, this is what strikes me, is these same people love Johnny Cash. And I love Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash had a tremendous redemptive arc in his life. But y'all know one song that I love about Johnny Cash, and you probably love it too, is I shot a man in Phoenix just to watch him die. That's just a story. And we understand that that's just a story. But let me ask you, is that something that you and I celebrate? Do we celebrate people actually just shooting somebody to watch them die? If, If that was true to life, would we be going, yeah, you did it. You sociopath! Way to go! And this is what I think is so interesting. Is there can be an inconsistency to say, oh, I'm not going to let that filth in my mind, but I'll let this filth in my mind. Do y'all track? See, we can't be hypocrites. We have to be consistent. And, 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 and you need to make a decision. Hey, I'm going to be consistent and understand a story is a story. And whatever story that they had going on there, like it's just a story, or I'm going to be consistent and say, I'm not going to let any of the filthy stories in my mind. But I'm not going to pick and choose this filth over that filth, and I'm not going to stand on a moral high ground and and, and grandstand and be like, well, I'm standing for truth and justice, whenever you're really not. It's not consistent. So we have to be the people who are are trustworthy, who who are honest, who are consistent. We have to be the people who are not walking around jealous of everything envious of everything we have to actually kind of walk around content in our discontentment isn't that weird that's weird 
We have to be the people who are like Paul, who are like, I'm in prison, but I'm finding reasons to rejoice. Not because, not because I'm just a doofus who just, well, everything's going to be okay. No, I am going to God and going, God, I need a reason to rejoice because none of my circumstances are giving me any reason to be content or happy or healthy or, or, or celebratory. God, show me where I can rejoice. And God goes, here's what you can rejoice at. Even though you're in prison, the gospel is being preached to the Praetorian Guard. And Paul goes, yeah, you're right. I can still rejoice in that. It's like me yesterday. I could stand up here and I could be grieved that our friend from our church is gone. But I can rejoice that yesterday his life was a living testimony of God's grace. And we got to share that good news. And man alive, I wish I didn't have to share it for 30 years. I wish I had 30 more years with him. But as my friend Jack, whose wife is laying on her deathbed, said to me, he said, it would never be enough. I could have 15 more years with her and it won't be enough. So I have to find contentment even though there's so much that I'm discontented with. Back to the point, because that's just some preaching there, right? But the point is this. I won't become honest and trustworthy and consistent and I won't become content in my discontented state. I won't find reasons to rejoice and to celebrate and to celebrate others. I'll have to be jealous and envious of everybody else. Or I won't be the person who speaks honorable speech about people. I'll be the person who tells you all the nasty details about everything. I won't become the person who, who is in the nature and character of Christ. If I keep letting in everything that is fueled by hate, deceit, hypocrisy, evil speakings, envy. And I'm telling you, there's not a media and there's not a medium out there where you are going to find that that stuff's not happening. And so we have to be very careful. Well, this one's, they tell it like it is. Aren't, do they tell it like it is? I don't know. I don't know. And, 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 and they're, they're more aligned with my values. They are because they're telling you to hate this person. And they're telling you to, 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 to you know, just kill people in the name of righteousness. Whether it is literally killing or it is socially killing them. Here's the long and short of it. It is very hard for us to find that which will nourish our nature. My mom used to say this like this. She, she used to say, hey, you don't even have to go look to start lusting, Macaulay. You are force-fed it. You drive down I-45, drive down I-45, and there's billboards there, and the billboard could be for some inane thing, and there is going to be a scantily clad woman on there. I don't have to go looking for it. It's force-fed on me. Guess what? With social media, you don't have to go looking for it. The algorithm is going to force it on you.
all the things that are going to satisfy our old nature, that are going to nourish our old nature, we, we're going to be forced by death. We are, we, we, it just comes at us in waves. And once you even start paying attention to it a little bit and, and you start trying to resist it, you will find out, oh my goodness, it is everywhere. Hatefulness, vileness, deceit. Evil, unkind speech, hateful speech. It's all over the place. So I don't think that we can take it lightly that he says that you and I have to be like newborn babes. That is not a cute image for him. That is a desperate image for him. It's not like, oh, how sweet to hold a newborn babe. No, this is a baby who is looking for his mother's milk. And if he doesn't get it or if she doesn't get it, she knows she's going to die. And so what does that baby do? No. That baby is, and I'm telling you, my boys, my wife was able to, and not all moms are able to, so I understand that, but my wife was able to, uh, to, to, to nurse our children. And uh, those kids weren't just crying. They were clawing. They were scratching. They were trying, well, give, get, give it to me. I need this. I need this nourishment in my belly. So my brothers and my sisters, I'm going to leave us with this word. We are force-fed everything that will satisfy and nourish our old nature. And you and I have to be alert and attuned. And we have to get this craving for that which will nourish the new man, the new woman who is in Christ Jesus. And so we better get hungry, right? That's it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to a time of praying. Lord, I 